Hi, this is Rudy Giuliani, and you're listening to the audio version of Common Sense. Be sure to head to rudyscommonsense.com. That's rudyscommonsense.com or the Rumble or YouTube channel to get the full video experience of this podcast. Let's get into it. He's the mayor of New York City, Rudy Giuliani. Make our nation safe again. Our God-given common sense. And now, Rudy Giuliani with Common Sense. Hello, this is Rudy Giuliani, and we're back with another edition of Rudy's Common Sense. And today... We have an exciting guest, someone who, well, someone who has a website called Just the News, and I would say he's Just the News, John Solomon. You can get John on Just the News. You can get him on uh, Real America's Voice, which uh, is on TV, and you can get his podcast on Just the News. And it seems like every week, twice a week, he breaks a, a big story uh, about everything. But right now, we're going to talk to him about the election of 2020, which seems to be unraveling uh, if it hadn't hasn't unraveled uh, already and just not been reported. Uh, John, tell us about your analysis, your recent analysis of the 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 election and uh, what, what you spotted as I think it was the 20 top. What should we call them? Irregularities. Uh, In some cases, illegalities. You know, Irregularities and illegalities. Okay. Yeah, you're right, Mr. Mayor. Well, first, thanks for having me on. It's always an honor to be with you. The, um, you know, the election story of 2020, the big lie, has gone the path of Russia collusion and Ukraine impeachment, which is the the mainstream media, the Democratic establishment, and some in some cases the the bureaucracy of the federal government conspired to give us one story, and then. We have spent years unraveling those stories and getting to the truth, and they all go into reversal. That's one of the amazing things about the Trump era. The major scandal stories, and I put scandal in quotes now. Right, right. They, they all go in reversal. It started with Russia collusion. We saw what happened to Christopher Steele's dossier. And now we have you know, members of Clinton's legal team and the FBI indicted, charged, convicted in some cases. Uh, the same thing about Ukraine impeachment. We were told there was nothing wrong with Hunter Biden's activity. Now he's under criminal investigation. The laptop, which you helped bring to light, shows all of these really unseemly deals he was doing in the wake of his father's policy. Uh, and uh, we know two of his business partners have been convicted of crimes. Uh, that story, and, and now new documents come out showing that Joe Biden's own State Department thought what Hunter Biden was doing was wrong. That story went into reversal. The same thing is happening now to the election 2020 story. We were told it was a perfect election. Uh, The guy named Krebs who ran the cybersecurity agency, the one that President Trump fired, he told us after the election, this was a perfectly secure, cyber secure election. The FBI disagrees. They recently, uh, with the US Attorney's Office, brought an indictment that revealed that Iranian hackers, Iranian state-backed hackers, cracked into one of the state's election databases, stole 100,000 Americans' voter identities and used those voter identities to try to influence the 2020 election. Mr. Krebs' comments do not hold up the scrutiny when you learn that case. All across the country, you saw what the Wisconsin Chief Justice of the Supreme Court did in his election integrity, saying there was a a ballot harvesting and and fraud and nursing home voting uh, enough that he thinks Maybe Wisconsin legislature should consider decertifying the results. Arizona, two or three different investigations found things from signatures not matching to 50,000 ballots that don't look to be correct. 
Um, in Pennsylvania, the courts have ruled that uh, that uh, the changes to allow uh, un, no excuse absentee ballots were in fact unconstitutional. So a rule change that vastly affected the Pennsylvania election and its outcome deemed to be uh, unconstitutional. Wisconsin Supreme Court has given two rulings, ruling that the rules uh, that the Evers administration gave for the election were unlawful, illegal. One of them allowed tens of thousands of voters to uh, vote uh, absentee without using voter ID in violation of state law. Another allowed uh, those drop boxes to be distributed when there was no such legal authority in Wisconsin to do so. So when people look out, it is now clear that there was unlawful activity, illegal activity, unconstitutional activity. Uh, and that doesn't even get us into the sort of things that are ongoing right now in Georgia, where uh, the documents I unearthed in Fulton County show that Brad Raffsenberger's own personal observer found wow. 27 pages of Ill irregularities during the election counting process. And we now know that uh, he's investigating ballot harvesting, a widespread ballot harvesting operation that Catherine Engelbrecht, the great election integrity activist, found by comparing videotapes of people dropping off ballots with phone records and then getting a whistleblower to say, oh yeah, I participated in that operation. I was paid $10 every time I got someone's ballot and delivered it, which by the way, is unlawful in Georgia. So. The election story has gone the path of Russia collusion in Ukraine impeachment. It's in total reversal. This is a good time to take a break. Welcome back. And we're back with John Solomon, and he's taking us through uh, the major uh, revelations that he's brought about since the election of 2020. Uh, I guess the most recent one and the most startling one is that in Georgia, in Fulton County, a report existed a week or so after the election that raised, what was it, 50 or so irregularities, illegalities with the election, one we never knew about while the Georgia officials were saying the election was perfect. Of course, it was far from perfect. And that's part of what caused the conversation between the president and Raffsenberger, because Raffsenberger kept saying it was perfect. And all the president was getting were reports of illegalities. And he couldn't understand perfect. So, John, uh, should we go back over some of these or, or are there a few more? Yeah. I mean, why, don't we, why don't we start with Georgia? Let's start with Georgia. So tell me what, uh, what, you've, what you've uncovered in Georgia. There were, there were issues like that, uh, counting ballots without Republican uh, observation, which is clearly illegal in Georgia. I think, I think that actually says you have to count the ballots in public. That's right. No, listen, there's no doubt that the rules were not followed in Fulton County, so much so that since the election, the state has pretty much forced out every supervisor of the Fulton County election. And the state elections board is considering taking a dramatic action before this fall's election of possibly putting Fulton County into state receivership, meaning local officials will not run the elections in Atlanta. They'll be turned over to the state. Why is that? Because Brad Raffsenberger sent a personal observer to the election uh, center, the vote counting center in Atlanta on November 3rd, 2020. It was the first time it had ever been done in the state. That observer wrote a, I think it's 23 or 27 page report with dozens and dozens of irregularities being recorded. It was like a diary. You won't believe this person just did that. This person did this. Things like double scanning ballots. Yes. Moving ballots insecurely in shopping carts where they could be picked off. 
having the personal information of voters being exposed while they were being counted, which is a violation of voter privacy. The irregularities are literally take up two dozen pages of a report. Brad Raffsenberger had that report. I actually went back through all the news clips of November 3rd. And here's a funny thing, because everybody remembers Brad Raffsenberger's January 6th or January, whatever day it was on 60 Minutes, calling it the perfect election. On election night, he was going bananas, saying there's all sorts of bad things going on in Fulton County. I'm upset. Now, how he evolved from that moment to the different story on January is one that he hasn't been able to explain. I've interviewed him several times, and here's what he said. Yes, Fulton County was a problem. It's been a problem for years, and it was really bad this time, and I'm starting the process of putting him into receivership, but I don't think what happened there would have changed the outcome. Now, that's a very different story than what he gave 60 Minutes. Sure. It doesn't really matter if he thinks or doesn't think it affects the outcome, because you only find out if, if it affects the outcome after you count the votes. That's right. You can't possibly know when you start if it affects the outcome. Uh, if, if you... Uh, I, the report you're talking about is public. I mean, you can get it online. Correct? Yes, it's on, on Just the no, News. We have it there. That's the one that I have. It's a very yep. large Carter report. Jones is the guy okay. who wrote it. Yeah, I, I, I read through it. Uh, if you ask me, is there enough there to affect the election? My guess would be it's so much yes. But to do that, I would have to go through and start doing a count. Then I'd have to figure out what county it was in. You can figure if, there, if, the, if votes in Fulton County are being... Uh, deducted, well, then Trump is gaining about plus six votes on every 10. Because I think it was pretty close to 75, uh, 25, 80, depending on the 80, 20. It's about a 70% Democratic county, it is. Yeah. But if it's a county that's very, very close, like some in Arizona, maybe only gain one vote for every 10. So it is hard to find out if it affects the outcome. But uh, election fraud is prosecuted no matter who wins or loses an election, it's a crime. It's a crime. It's called a crime. We're the greatest democracy in the world. There is no reason we can't vote count, count votes correctly. We can do this. This is we put a man on the moon. Voting uh, count voting uh, regularly is is much easier than doing that. There's just not been a will or a way in these democratic urban areas to fix these problems. These problems have been around a long time in 2020 brought them to a head. I want to bring out another favorite character of the president, Governor but, Brian Kemp, because- But before you do, let me ask you why Raffsenberger didn't turn that report over until it was useless. Yeah, I got it under FOIA. Uh, I don't know the reason. Uh, uh, you know, it existed. Uh, it had been in these files. And right after I reported it, I mean, within days of me reporting the existence and the contents of that report, he started the process of putting Fulton County into state, that was know, state receivership. So it clearly had an impact once it became public. Too bad it didn't become public before January 6th. But I mean, that was a year later. Yeah, yeah, it was eight, eight or nine months later. You're right, sir, it was. And uh, it was after Afghanistan. It, yeah, it was right in that time frame. I think it might have been just before, right as Afghanistan was falling. What up. I'm talking about is uh, uh, if it does affect the election and one or two more of them do, then we don't have uh, Biden as president. Well, you look at Wisconsin, but let's stay in Georgia for a second, because I don't think a lot of people know this. Governor Kemp, he's another one of those guys that's been saying, the election's perfect. The election's perfect. I Last summer, I did two things. I accessed all of the absentee ballots in Fulton County, and I went through each image. It took me five, 10 days to go through about six, 7,000 ballots that I could get access to. And you see all sorts of irregularities. For instance, 
you will see people who filled out the president for two people, one Donald Trump, one for Joe Biden. That's called a spoiled ballot. Under Georgia law, it's supposed to be thrown out. Right. Someone would come in and say, no, 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 that wasn't for Donald Trump. That's for Joe Biden. They would count the spoiled ballot. That is not in question. I put those images up. People can see those being counted. Now, there's only a few hundred, several hundred that way, but that's just one example. But here's another thing. We went through the vote tallies, and then we went through the cards that were used to declare the recount. And there were thousands of votes difference between the two. And I identified each of the cards, and I wrote about them. About three months after I did that last summer, Governor Kemp, yes, that Governor Kemp, the one who says everything was perfect, he sent a complaint to the state elections board. He doesn't mention me. He mentions the citizen that I worked with on this. And he said, there's thousands of votes that are different on the cards than they are in the ballot tallies. These are miscounts. Please investigate that. So even Brian Kemp, clearly Brad Rafsenberger, now know that there were serious problems in Fulton County. I dare you to find anyone in the mainstream media that's covered it. They've ignored this because they can't allow that story from November I mean, this, to fall this apart is a, like this their earlier a, journalism. This is an amazing uh, uh, story. Uh, uh, total surprise. Complete reversal of what was going on during the election. But if you could explain the second one a little bit better. Uh, there, were, there were thousands of votes. The card was different than the ballot. Yeah, so there uh, are the ballot tallies. And are these, are these, are these mail-in, mail-in votes we're talking about? Uh, yeah. Well, all tallies, machine tallies. Okay. okay. So it's everything. It's everything that went through the machines, whether it was absentee or direct vote. And there's one tally, then there's the card that's used to do the recount, right? So they, someone puts the number on the recount. And there were, in some cases, multiple, uh, I think there was one that was It's very much like the one you mentioned, like 90 to 6 for Trump. There, uh, and I think there was one where the same votes were counted three times for Biden, which gave him like four or 500 more votes. When you take a look at all the mathematical errors, and that's what um, Governor Kemp ultimately called them. It's what I called them in my story. It's several thousand votes, three, four thousand votes that are different than what was counted in the recount and the canvas, whatever you want to call that, the recanvas. Uh, Governor Kemp, uh, people can go get that letter. He admits that in his own letter. So the two guys that were saying Georgia was fine. They're now on record saying it wasn't so fine. So there were several thousand votes that didn't match. Yep, in the recount. The recount tally was off by several thousand votes. And it was a 10,000 vote election. Yeah, that was a 12, I think 12 in Georgia, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. Yep. So this is an election where if you have any number of irregularities, you're getting very close to affecting the election because we're only talking about 12,000 votes. So you have several thousand there. You've got with the ones you sampled, uh, the thousand or so votes you sampled, how many did you find there that were? A few hundred were, were spoiled ballots that should never have been counted. And somebody just made a, a decision that we're going to count that ballot anyways. So, and out of how many ballots? You know, I think we saw about 400 out of 5,000 that had that uh, manual adjudication that looked like a spoiled ballot. I mean, sometimes the manual adjudication was correct. It, it was the ballot was what they ultimately counted, and the machine just didn't so see that, the marking right. But there are four or five hundred that are legitimately in question and, and would have met the definition of spoiled, meaning they should have been sent back and not counted until the person refilled out the ballot, and that didn't happen. And so, you know, that's just in one county with one reporter doing it. Imagine what people could do if all of these were opened up across Georgia. We'd probably find some more things. It's uh, now time to take a short break. Welcome back to our interview with John Solomon. But if you look at the pattern of 
irregularities. They were concentrated in several cities, not all over the country. The cities they were concentrated in were Democrat really owned cities uh, with uh, a good long history of corruption, mayors going to jail, judges going to jail. Uh, uh, Every lawyer would tell you, you know, if you got a political case, you're going to have a Democratic judge and you're not going to win if it's on the other side. So they did it in Philadelphia, Detroit, uh, Milwaukee, Atlanta. All yep, of that is Green Bay. Yeah, again, again, Democrat cities. So now what, uh, what about um, what about the there's one video that didn't get much attention. The video of uh, the arena got a lot of attention with the people being walked out, the ballots being counted. and, and uh, But the one that didn't get a lot of attention was it was a short video. It, it, again, it, it involved Ruby Freeman and her daughter, and they were passing USBs to each other. Now, uh, the president of Dominion testified in uh, Michigan that uh, the machine was made so that it was not accessible to a USB. That is contradicted by the manual, <laughs> and it's contradicted by pictures of the machine. Uh, what was the? Do you have any information about what those USBs were for? Theoretically, yeah, my understanding. Yeah. Uh, again, you're at the mercy of the Georgia people who looked at this, but they've been pretty forthcoming in recent months. And I, I, I want to give Georgia some credit. Dominion voting machines were cracked open. They were opened before election day. This is not in dispute. And the digital cards were taken out and new cards were put in to make sure that they didn't reach the capacity. The chain of custody of those cards that were in the original machines and were taken out and not counted until election day is unknown. Fulton County believes they were put in some locker or a a storage cabinet. Uh, We've never been able to get a good answer on that. Now, that doesn't mean the machines were doing something wrong, but it does mean that Humans were touching things that are supposed to say sacred until election day, removing them, putting them somewhere. You know, the possibility one could get lost or get tampered with. You don't know because the chain of custody is not clear. That is documented. Fulton County has admitted that. I mean, there are lots of things that Again, they right admitted elections that we could get right in five minutes if we just got. They admitted it. They admitted it after Biden became president of the United States. Yeah, actually, we got those in December, which was shortly before the certification. So December 2020. But, you know, there were so many things coming out. I'm not sure they got the attention they they merit. But today, those things are well known and they're well documented. Uh, most people don't know that. Be- because nothing about Dominion is ever reported. Because um, the major networks, Fox, uh, even Newsmax are afraid to mention the name Dominion. Because they effectively, uh, they effectuated a prior restraint by suing everyone. Uh, uh, so there were three dozen machines that were broken open, Dominion machines that were broken open, so they could be allowed to count over 10,000. Yeah. So there was a worry. And, you know, that's a legitimate thing. There, there was a high turnout. So you want to make sure that you, the machines can't stop counting. But there was no chain of custody thought about, at least not in the documents and the interviews we did at the time. And it's just one of many things that, you know, when you hear a perfect election, that's not a perfect way. That is not a common sense way to handle people's sacred votes. And again, that's nothing to do with Dominion. That has to do with the people running these elections. And I I think at the end of the day, human error, human malfeasance, 
case of the hackers or other things that we've seen, uh, the the uh, nursing home in Arizona, which is you know another one of those urban centers, right? Phoenix that you always people worry about. Well, but before we get off that one, so there were was this in Fulton County that these machines were broken? Yes, they were Fulton County. So it's it it seems like um, it seems like all of the illegalities and irregularities are concentrated in Fulton County. Well, that's one of them. Now, when you go to ballot harvesting, Mr. Mayor, it right. looks like there are several counties where that occurred. So there is a complaint that was filed in November, a year after the election, right? So a whole right. year later. And there appear to be five counties uh, in, in the Atlanta area, but it goes much further out. It goes all the way out towards Stone Mountain and DeKalb County uh, and some of the other counties where there's video footage of people coming in between 12 a.m. and 5 a.m. That's the time that most people vote going to those drop boxes and dropping stocks, uh, stacks of ballots into the boxes. And then there are um, cell phone records that show the pattern of these ballot uh, delivering people uh, going back and back over through the same routine night after night. That's according to the complaint. And uh, there is now a whistleblower, he's known as John Doe in the complaint, who says, I participated in a widespread ballot harvesting operation me and many other people, we were paid ten dollars a ballot, and we went around. Oh, that sounds like ballots. That sounds like uh, Tammany Hall. It does. Old-fashioned ballot. This is what this is what they did in my election in nineteen eighty-nine. They paid people to vote ten times. Well, they were picking up good old Democratic ballots. Is what they were doing. They were going out and getting you know someone they didn't know and grabbing their ballot, which breaks the chain of custody, and it's explicitly illegal in Georgia. It's illegal in. Arizona, it's illegal in Wisconsin. I would say paying paying for a vote is probably illegal every place, except maybe Las Vegas. I don't know. <laughs> probably, probably. So what the whistleblower says is he was paid $10 per watt. Every ballot that he picked up from a legitimate voter and put into a ballot box, which, by the way, violates the law. So remember Brad Raffsenberger, right? The guy said it was a great election. He now admits that there is significant evidence. They issued subpoenas just 10 days ago, and they're beginning a full-scale investigation. And Brad Raffsenberger came on my TV show about three weeks ago and said, uh, we're following the money. Who paid for this operation? And I wouldn't be surprised if we have criminal prosecutions when we're done. Uh, that's a big far cry from a perfect election when you find that out as well. So, And that's not the only place that this happened. Arizona. Mark Burnovich, the attorney general, has prosecuted several people who now have admitted that to I, ballot harvesting in Arizona. And as you know, from covering the Wisconsin report that Justice Gableman recently gave us, they believed and documented that went on in nursing homes where people who didn't have the mental capacity or physical capacity to vote, someone else grabbed their ballot and voted for them. All of those are examples of illegal harvesting. I think when we're done, that's going to be the biggest part of the 2020 election. We're going to find out that was the biggest scandal or cheating Deal. that may have gone on in this election. We've got to let the facts bear out, but there are real signs that that's a serious problem. Well, I mean, the thing, the thing that is obvious already is that whatever happened with the machines, the ones that were programmed or, or the ones that were not programmed or the machine vote did not determine the election. In fact, on the machine vote, Trump probably won, which is why he was ahead on election day in so many places, the election got turned around by the mail, by the mail and by the mail and ballots, by the ballots that were in those uh, what are they Zuckerberg boxes. And uh, but they it got turned around by tremendous numbers like 
four or five hundred thousand in Pennsylvania. So let's let's just one one last question about DeKalb. DeKalb it's DeKalb County where that took place with the whistleblower, uh, and he says there's more than one whistleblower. Yeah, uh, the the group that did the work on this they use it. They use the tactic that the FBI now uses a lot to solve crimes. They you can buy people's commercial cell phone geospatial data, meaning. Wherever your phone is with you, it's recording as you're going around town and after saying you were here at this moment, here at that moment, you can buy that data commercially. The FBI does it sometimes. They went and they found 240 people that take the same pattern as John Doe, the whistleblower. So they're estimating that about 240 people in the state of Georgia uh, made these routine trips both before November 3rd, which is the general election, and January 5th, which was the runoff, January 5th, 2021, was the runoff that determined democratic control of the United States Senate. So that's all in their complaint. Uh, Secretary Raffsenberger came on my show and said, it's credible information. It's a credible allegation. We're following the money. They just issued subpoenas, and that's an ongoing investigation. So Georgia becomes more imperfect by the day. Right, and that happened in both the presidential election and the two Senate elections, the original and the runoff. And, and it was DeKalb. Located in DeKalb. It was Fulton, DeKalb, Cobb. I think five counties is what they're claiming. Okay, so let's get to Wisconsin. You mentioned Wisconsin. What, 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 uh, what, what, what have you found there? First off, there are two rulings by the Wisconsin Supreme Court, the highest court in the state, saying that rule changes in 2020 were illegal, unconstitutional, unlawful. Uh, the first one allowed about 237,000 people to vote as though they were homebound because they were afraid to go out by COVID. The law in Wisconsin doesn't allow you to say fear is a disability. You have to be completely disabled. You have to have a real medical condition that prevents you from voting to vote uh, what, uh, uh, as that, in that manner and skip voter ID. So 240,000 people got this exemption. The courts have ruled that was an unlawful instruction. It was not allowed under the law. That's 240,000 votes in a state where Joe Biden beat uh, President Trump by just 20,000 votes. So 10 times the number, 12 times the number of the spread of difference. That's just one court ruling. There's a second court ruling that concluded that the, the drop boxes, the mobile ballot boxes, that there was no legal authority in Wisconsin for those to be distributed. Tens of thousands of people dropped their ballots in those boxes. All of those votes are now illegal under the interpretation of the Wisconsin Supreme Court. So that's a big picture problem. More, well more, multiple times the spread of difference between the two candidates, ballots were unlawfully distributed, accepted, counted, or put into boxes that weren't lawful. That's just the legal side. Now let's go to what Justice- but Before we get to that, the, the, original, the original decision of the Supreme Court on the original case to overturn the election was a 4-3 decision. It was, and it came in November. And one, and, and the one, uh, but it's a 4-3 Republican court. One Republican dissented or, or, or joined the majority. And Wisconsin has extremely rigid uh, absentee ballot laws uh, because of its history as a, as a progressive state when progressive meant something different. La Follette, the whole movement. They actually say in their law that they don't like absentee ballot. <laughs> they believe they're inherently fraudulent, and therefore they require you to keep not only the envelope 
but the original application. And if you don't have the original application, they say that the vote is null and void. Well, uh, they sort of forgot that when they ruled four to three. Uh, strictly under the law, those votes should have been thrown out. But they thought the they thought the remedy was too onerous. Yeah, that's right. But you know, now, listen, but, and it goes back to the fact that these Democratic cities and these Democratic-run states, Wisconsin has a Republican legislature, which is supposed to set the rules, and then it has a Democratic-run Wisconsin Election Commission, which just made up its own law, which, by the way, the Constitution didn't give them that power. And, uh, and so you see these two court rulings. Let's get back to our fascinating interview with John Solomon. But then you get to the Justice Gableman investigation, former Chief Justice of the Wisconsin Court. And he focuses on two things that we began highlighting at Just the News within days of the election. The first is uh, there was a mass effort at nursing homes to harvest ballots. And uh, in recent testimony, the uh, Justice Gableman provided videotapes of people who said, my mother-in-law is in the nursing home, or my father is in the nursing home. He's invalid. He's not conscious. He couldn't possibly have voted. Somebody took his ballot. And he found out that there was Soviet-style ballot turnouts in like 90 nursing homes. When I say Soviet-style, we used to call anything with a voter turnout of 95% or more Soviet-style, meaning you know, it was made up in the Soviet Union. Well, there were 90 nursing homes where 90% or more of the residents uh, uh, voted, which had not been seen. I think the, the, the rate was much lower in every other election. There clearly was a harvesting allegation uh, operation going on. Justice Gableman exposed that with videotape, uh, uh, data, all those sort of things. Then he went on to something else, which I think is the biggest thing that is still unaddressed as we head into 2022 and 2024. We, along with people like Phil Klein at the uh, Amistad Project and others, we dropped FOIAs beginning in October, before the election of 2020, to see where all this money that Mark Zuckerberg's Center for Tech and Civic Life was putting money out. Because... They were giving money not to candidates, not to political parties, not to political action committees. They were giving it to the election judges. And when I say giving money in Wisconsin, it's like eight $8 million to uh, election judges across the country. It's 350 million plus. Now, step back for a second and say, what's an election judge? If we were giving a million dollars to the referees of the Super Bowl, we'd say, hey, wait, something's up. Someone gave a million dollars to the referees before in the Super Bowl. We're not going to trust those referees. That's what happened here. Who gave who gave the election judges were given money that has never been envisioned under the law to go to them. Uh, So so when you say election judges, who are they? They're the election administrators. So the county clerks, the city clerks, the people in charge of counting your vote, deciding whose vote count and who doesn't deciding whose application for a ballot is lawful and not lawful. I mean, these are supposed to be nonpartisan uh honest brokers of the election and what you saw mark zuckerberg's money do in wisconsin specifically and we see it in atlanta we see it in other places as well (coughs) excuse me is that uh these judges were asked in order to get this money you need to do something for mark zuckerberg's group you need to go out and get more people uh to register to vote before election day so it took election judges and put them into the business of doing get out the vote work which by the way is supposed to be done by political parties, not by the judges. 
And what type of people, what type of voter were they told to go get? Well, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where I have the best records, where we got the best records with Phil Klein and myself, um, they were told to go get African-American voters, Hispanic voters, and Hmong voters, which are Laotian uh, immigrants. All three of those um, uh, voting categories lean heavily Democrat in Wisconsin. So they're asking, hey, judges, stop doing your normal job. Go out and get all these people who are get likely to be Democratic. African, African-American. Hispanic yeah. and Hmong, H-M-O-N-G, Hmong. Those are Laotian refugees. And there's a large number in the Green Bay area. Essentially, Mark Zuckerberg took the neutral judges, the referees of the election Super Bowl, and said, you're going to go out and do Democratic get-out-the-vote operations for us. And uh, when Justice Gableman examined this after we got the documents, put them out, he did a deep dive, and he said, these payments to public officials amounted to violations of Wisconsin's bribery statutes. Government officials shouldn't be taking money from private individuals to influence their public duties. That's what the chief, former chief justice of the Wisconsin State Supreme Court. Well, that, 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 that happens to be the common law definition of bribery. It's exactly why Biden paid a bribe to Poroshenko. <laughs> he offered him something of value for official action. The value was... was the one now you know dollar. that this went on and, and you know... We got great records in Wisconsin, but it went on in many states, Philadelphia, Detroit, Atlanta, all those places. We found the same in, in, in infusion of Zuckerberg dollars and uh, many states, a handful of states, about eight or nine have outlawed that. But in about 40 states, that's still lawful today. It could happen again this November or two Novembers from now when the next presidential election is up. That is an unresolved question that Americans really have to come to grasp with. But even if they don't have a specific statute making it a crime to give an election judge money, the general bribery statute of the state should cover it. That's exactly the point that Justice Gableman made. And we'll see now whether the the individual county prosecutors have the courage to take his information and bring prosecutions. But when you hear these things, Mr. Mayor, you know that it was not a perfect election. Did this... Did this essentially occur in Democratic counties, uh, what you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, there are some places that got a little bit of Zuckerberg money in red counties. I think Phil Klein did an analysis that, the, you I know, saw like that. multiple multitudes more to urban blue areas than to uh, rural uh, uh, Republican areas. And he did a density analysis that clearly showed, you know, not surprisingly, because Mark Zuckerberg's that. a liberal, that this money went to predominantly get out the Democrat machine vote. So if you take that, right, you get Mark Zuckerberg's money, the ballot boxes, the mass mailing of ballots to people who didn't ask for them, and the possibility that you have a legal harvesting operation goes around. I think what you see in this election, still to be completely refined, is an old-fashioned ballot box stuffing operation, modernized for the 21st century, taking advantage of COVID. It's Tammany Hall brought to the 21st century. This is a good time to take a break. Welcome back to our interview with John Solomon. Well, you know, uh, Phil did a lot of cases showing that there were a disproportionate number of boxes in Democrat, highly Democrat areas, like by 10 to 1. And that those cases were brought to court and the courts threw them out for, for reasons I'll never understand. Like, I think there's one lesson, Mr. Mayor, that we learned about this. And, and I think Republicans who are upset have to know this lesson. And I think Glenn Youngkin maybe gave us a new model. 
it is clear now that the courts are not going to adjudicate elections after the effect unless there's something really, really egregious. These practices, these rule changes, which went on in November, September, November, September and October, were not adequately challenged by the Republican Party, uh, by the campaigns, by uh, the elected legislators whose authority was being usurped by all these rule changes. Well, the biggest John, lesson of 2020, if you yep. see something before the election, challenge it before, because the you, courts don't have the courage to adjudicate this after the fact. John, many of them didn't have the courage to do it before. I mean, before I was counselor to the campaign, which was after the election, in fairness to the campaign, they brought about six or seven of these lawsuits. And they were thrown out as being uh, as being uh, no standing, uh, not ripe for adjudication. Then when they came back later, they said it was not ripe for adjudication. Uh, uh, pause. They did something that I find in my 50 years of litigation experience is totally inexplicable. They never heard from a witness. They never put an American citizen on the witness stand. Yeah. And never the got Americans, to the merits of the case. And, and, and allow the American citizens to say, like the one in Detroit, that the De Democratic Party in Detroit taught me how to cheat. And then explain the cheating. And because, I think they realized if that ever were testified to, the thing would have broken wide open. It's one thing for you and me to bring this out. It's another thing for a just regular American to say, I've been a Democrat all my life. I come in to help. Three days later, they're t showing me how to take phony registrations and apply them to votes that were just cast in my presence, 400 of them for Biden. And that testimony was never heard. Yeah, but it, that's, it, that's it, the famous uh, affidavit from Jesse Jacob, the Detroit city worker who I witnessed all these irregularities. She was, an, I think, an Indian. An Indian American converted Catholic. Yeah. And she couldn't went, believe her own party was doing this. She, I think she went to her priest to ask for advice. <laughs> now, Arizona. So, yeah, well, Arizona's one too. But Jesse Jacob was the, uh, the city worker I read well, from Michigan. Her affidavit. Right. If you don't think that there is irregularities going on in these big city machines, everyone should go grab the affidavit of a woman named Jessie Jacob. She was a 35-year civil servant in the city of Detroit. She worked in other departments, had never been asked to work an election before, but because they were short election workers with COVID, they assigned her to it. And she could not believe what she saw going on in the Detroit voting center. She has no reason to lie. She's not a partisan. Uh, she couldn't believe what her own city was doing. And that's just one of many. And what she testified to applied not only to Detroit, but it's exactly what they were doing in Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, which showed you that it was a concerted process. Well, uh, what other ones did you look at? Uh, Arizona? Arizona is a good one. Uh, there are two big studies out there, uh, both funded by the Arizona State Senate. Mary Fanning, who's been really good on this issue, working it. And now there's a gubernatorial ca candidate, Carrie Lake, that just keeps these issues on the front burner every day for the state so that people don't forget it. Uh, the first was the original audit, which called into question about 50,000 plus votes in a state where I think President Trump uh, lost by less than 14,000, if I remember correctly, if I'm doing my math right. So more than enough ballots than the spread of the difference. Then subsequently, there was a signature match sampling done between the signatures on the outside of the absentee ballots and then what was on file for the voter. 
and it estimated more than 200,000, based on the sampling, because it didn't count all of them yet. Maybe they should go back and do that. That probably 200,000 plus votes in Maricopa County only. That's just Phoenix area, not the whole state. Had signatures that were non-conforming, didn't match, which should give us all pause. Now, it has given Arizona pause. There's an amazing movement going on in Arizona. The legislature, which about 12 years ago, I think it was, <coughs> uh, opened up no excuse absentee ballot. Arizona was one of those early states to go all mass mail. They're now trying to reverse that, saying, you know what? We're going to go back to traditional voting. <laughs> this mass mailing thing is a disaster. That tells you something. If a state tried it for 12 years and wants to go back, there's a reason. We should all be paying attention to Arizona. Now, Arizona has been dismissed by uh, the controlling uh, uh, authority in the United States, the media, as uh, it found no irregularities. And it just reiterated the count originally. But then if you go read the report, uh, unfortunately, they use the word irregularities. They don't say they don't want to make the pronouncement it's illegal. But let's take the second one so people understand it. Basically, the second one out of a sample of a number of ballots found 200,000 where the signatures didn't match. That's exactly the fraud that went on in every place that they designated. That's the reason they kept the Republicans out of the polling places. And the way I knew from day one it was a national conspiracy. I found out that in Philadelphia, they had put up barriers and the Republicans were kept behind the barriers. I rushed to Philadelphia at the request of Pam Bondi and uh, Corey Lewandowski, who had gotten an injunction to get closer and the sheriff wouldn't enforce it until it went up to the higher court and the Democratic higher court reversed it. Then, as I was driving there, I got a call from Detroit and I was told the same thing, barriers. Then I got a picture sent to me from Pittsburgh, barriers. Then I got a call from Georgia, all behind barriers. They couldn't see anything. So I was getting multiple calls from places thousands of miles away where Republicans were herded like cows behind barriers so they couldn't see the paper. And I said to myself, I've been doing this work for too long to not figure out what's going on. There's something wrong with that paper. They do not want the Republicans to see that paper. They're even willing to not honor a court order to do that. For 10 days, we never got to see a piece of paper. And uh, 200,000 that don't match. I mean, that was also, what was it, a tw 12, Arizona? Yeah, 12, 12 or 14,000, very small. It, it, it way exceeds the number of, of votes that spread the president by multiples, just like Wisconsin, the court rulings. And every state, including uh, 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 Georgia, resisted to the death our ever getting to look at the paper. They wouldn't even let us observe the paper during the recount. They kept us miles away from the paper, just like Dominion kept us miles away from the machine. So if there was nothing wrong with the paper, and there was nothing wrong with the machine. Come and look at them. It's uh, now time to take a short break. Welcome back to our interview with John Solomon. You know, the, our democracy functioned so well because transparency was always at the center of it. And what you saw in 2020 
were the tactics that we normally deride in banana republics. And if these things are allowed to stand, the greatest essence of American democracy, of the constitutional republic, the ability to vote will be further eroded. People, there's a poll that like, I forget, 40 or 50% of Americans don't trust either the 2016 or the 2020 election results. That is a jaw-dropping number for a country that's supposed to be the beacon of democracy for an entire world. If we can't get our vote counting right, how do, can we expect other countries to follow our lead? This is a crucial thing. I'm going to end on something I think is really important, Mr. Mayor. There are several states where Republican legislatures have voted to improve voting, to make right. voting easier and cheating harder. And then their Democratic governors vetoed those reforms. So Wisconsin, uh, Pennsylvania uh, are two of the states. Michigan, I think, is the third. These legislatures have just sat back and said, Oh, well, we got no other options. I'm not sure that's true. I'm not a lawyer, but I've done a lot of reading of the Constitution, and I don't see anything in the Constitution that says a governor gets a say over the manner of the election. I think these legislatures have to go back and say, we don't need to pass a law to do this. We should pass a resolution and send it to the cities and counties. And I think there are some brilliant constitutional scholars right now researching this issue. Because these legislatures shouldn't have to have their power guaranteed under the Constitution usurped by governors. And so I think you're going to see a movement in the next few months, maybe to get these legislatures to go to resolutions that don't require a governor's signature and get these rules the way lawmakers were given the power to set them. Uh, I agree with your uh, opinion, Justice Solomon. And I'll give you I'll give you well, my law degree is not that good. <laughs> I'm going to give you the citation for it. Article 2, uh, Section 1, uh, Clause 2 of the Constitution, which says that the, the uh, selection of electors for president shall be made by the state legislature. Doesn't mention Congress, doesn't mention governor, doesn't mention anything. Now, the reason we know that was deliberate is when you go to Article 1 and you talk about the selection of senators and congressmen, Congress is given a role. Congress is given almost a, a, a supervisory role. There's a question, can Congress take it all over like they tried to do in H.R. 1? They probably can't, but they can make adjustments. When you get to the presidential section, however, there's no, no one is joined with the state legislature in having the power. The Supreme Court has twice, back in the 19th century and within the last 30 years, said that that clause is, gives the state legislature the plenary power to decide. And even if they've delegated it, they can take it back at any time. That is what uh, we were relying on when we're being said that we were trying to you know, get phony electors. And it was a perfectly legitimate constitutional argument, which is supported by numerous uh, constitutional scholars up until now, Republican and Democrat. Uh, so you're absolutely right. The governor, ha the governor has no role except as given to him by the state legislature. They could pass a resolution saying, we delegate our power to Mr. Jones, who we just appointed to put in charge of the election. And he could be an independent person. And they could say, the governor has no role in it. And they would be supported by federal law. 
So you're absolutely right. I just have to leave with Pennsylvania because Pennsylvania was the state that I predicted they couldn't overturn. On election night, when they closed down the balloting, I knew they were going to cheat. I've been in politics long enough, and I've seen enough crooked Democratic cities that I knew they were going to cheat. When I heard the cities, and I, I said, for sure they're going to cheat. Now, you should know, every place they closed it down, Biden won and Trump lost. But in Philadelphia, the president was winning by 750,000 votes. And I said, you can't do that. That one you can't overturn. Well, they did. So tell me what you found in Pennsylvania. You know, I think the book is still being written in Pennsylvania. Um, there was some recent testimony just given that seems to uh, authenticate the idea that a mass harvesting camp uh, effort went on there, like we're now seeing is being investigated in Georgia and Arizona. Uh, but the problem in Pennsylvania is there's no video footage like we had in Georgia. Georgia, you can see it, then you can get the phone records, and then they got a whistleblower. Georgia's allegation is so jaw-dropping. And as you said, there's a playbook for all these urban areas. It isn't like they all came up with, they're all following the same playbook. Pennsylvania, I predict, the uh, the big uh, uh, focus will be in the next three months, looking to see if the same large-scale Georgia-style ballot harvesting thing now being investigated in, in, in Georgia. Again, still needs to be authenticated, but there seems to be serious evidence occurred in Pennsylvania. In addition to that, I think one of the most consequential rulings that gets no media coverage, none whatsoever, the uh, the Common Court, which is you know, the main court of state court, in the, has ruled that there was no authority under the Constitution of Pennsylvania to allow for no excuse absentee ballots like they deployed in 2020 because of COVID, which means the entire system that drove the vote, gave Joe Biden his margin of victory in that state, was unconstitutional. I don't know what the state's going to do because they have to change the Constitution before they can go back to mass mailing absentee. So it takes it off the radar. In 2022, you're going to see what would have happened if there wasn't mass mail ballots in Pennsylvania. And we'll be able to see how if Republicans fare better. And that will further validate your concern that you have about Pennsylvania. Uh, I think there's a lot more work to be done in Pennsylvania. Uh, there's a great senator out there who's working on that now. And we'll have to watch. Mastroianni. Senator Mastroianni. Another one. I think another one's called Chris uh, Kush. Kush, I think it is. But Mastroianni's running for governor and he's leading by four to one. And he was the one who helped. He also was the one who had the courage to hold the first hearing. And uh, we went to hearings because we didn't think we could get a fair uh, hearing in the courts. And we did get a fair hearing in the legislatures. That's where a lot of this information was originally. But then we were blocked by the Republican leadership who turned on Trump. The young, the young members were in favor of it even a, a big majority, but the majority leaders and the speakers blocked it until the last minute. And then we have four letters from Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, and I've forgotten the last one, that asked Pence to please give them 10 more days. That's the big controversy. But the fact, the fact is that the... Pennsylvania case rests on an Orwellian decision by the 
Democrat-dominated Supreme Court of Pennsylvania. The law of Pennsylvania says that there have to be present during a recount or an absentee counting representatives of each party. The court in Pennsylvania reversed an intermediate court decision that said present obviously meant observation. And the court ruled just being in the room is present, which is, of course, absurd. You're not there. You're not there to look at the lights. You're not there to just pal around with your friends. Present in the context of counting a vote and representing a party is to see and validate the ballot. That ruling, to me, is a corrupt ruling. It's intellectually dishonest. It's fascinating. I haven't really dug into that one. That's an interesting one. The reason they did that is there is documentary evidence of about 700,000 votes that were counted without a single Republican laying eyes on the paper and, and with significant evidence of they're not even being looked at, counted twice. That evidence was never allowed because they were present, although they were 30 feet away in corrals. That, uh, that decision is, is a disgrace to American justice. But there's plenty more to come out, John. And there is. This, this story is not yet finished being written. There are many chapters yet to be written. Well, thank you very, very much for your staying with it. Uh, just, like, uh, just like the whole situation with the Biden bribery and lifetime of bribery, and, which you stayed with from the very beginning, we should tell people that everything they're finding out now minus the hard drive, which was really icing on the cake, John. Your, your stories in, uh, what was it, February, Mar- uh, January, February, and March of 2018. Yeah, 2019, yep. 2019, l- laid out an overwhelming racketeering case. All the hard drive would have done is add to it. I mean, it added things to it and given it corroboration. But you had the witnesses, you had the documents, you had the money laundering. So this ha- didn't have to interfere with the election. That was before that was before Biden even announced. Yeah. You know, that's really the truth. The, the, the censorship, the corporate media and Twitter censorship of the Hunter Biden laptop was the greatest corporate in-kind contribution to a political party in American history. And if people want to say, was there uh, a hijacking of the election, the withholding of meaningful information about a candidate probably had the most consequence of anything in this election. And to this date, my colleagues in the media don't fully appreciate what they did wrong. Uh, It's great to see the New York Times suddenly say, oh, well, the Hunter Biden laptop is real. Well, that's great. It was real in 2020 and you you, you didn't allow it to come to light. Um, That is one of the greatest illegal corporate contributions in American history. And it'll take us generations to overcome the move towards censorship that we've witnessed in the last two or three years, most of it around the Biden family, but it now goes to many other places. And um, if anyone has any doubt the election was hijacked by something, that's one of the greatest hijacks in, in any electoral history. The, 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 literally the corporate suppression of information relevant to the American voter. Yeah. And that information was available two years before the election laid out in chapter and verse with videotape by you covered by some, but censored by most. Yeah. 
It's shameful. But you know what? I think we're waking up, Mr. Mayor. I always believe in the goodness of America. No, no, I think we're waking up. I just feel very bad that, unfortunately, the United States is being put through Joe Biden as the price of this. Our elections have consequences, and we're feeling those consequences now. Well, thank you, John. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Always an honor to be with you. Not much for me to add to the interviews with John Solomon. He laid it all out. Uh, It is quite clear that in each of the states that we talked about, and he's looked at more, we just confined by time to, to, to the most recent ones that he's looked at, that um, there are thousands, hundreds of thousands, numerous irregularities and illegalities in each of the states that were uh, said to be perfect. Uh, Georgia, probably one of the worst. Uh, Wisconsin, overwhelming. Arizona, we didn't get to spend as much time on, but uh, the numbers there are very, very few to overturn the election, about 10, 12,000. And they have uh, about 250,000 votes in question, which the press never reports to you. When the press first reported on the audit, they, they illegally and illegally uh, improperly reported that it just reaffirmed the old vote. What they found was if you went back to the old ballots and counted them the same way, you'd get the same result. Uh, They never went and looked at how many ballots were uh, spoiled, how many ballots had uh, two candidates on it and it was given to uh, Biden, how many mail-in ballots were were not folded but straight, therefore they were never put in the mail. So these... um, these things all have to be now taken into consideration, and there's a lot of time to go, but we really have to admire John Solomon. This is the second time he's been put through this, where uh, you know his, his, he, 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 he discovered evidence that should have been worked out you know, a year before the election, and it's held until after the election. And here, this information should have been out during the process of... Uh, reviewing the election, but the courts wouldn't listen to any of this. I mean, this is the kind of evidence that you get when you hold hearings in court. That's why you have hearings. The courts held no hearings. So the purpose now is to make sure it never happens again. Every single fact has to come out because never again in American history should we have an election in which votes are treated this way. And if we get all the facts out, as John was pointing out, particularly in the legislatures where the Democrats are voting to try to continue these illegal practices, uh, we can assure for our children and our grandchildren that America will remain a democracy. Because if this continues, and with H.R. 1, they were on their way to making it federal law, then we're no longer a democracy. So when we win this battle, you can thank John Solomon for his courage. Well, thank you. For listening, please make sure that you uh, send your emails to our members of Congress, the Senate, the House, and tell them don't buy oil from tyrants, huh? No oil from Russia, no oil from Iran, no oil from Venezuela. How about we buy American oil and gas? Well, thank you very much. We'll be back with another episode. In just a few days, it's Rudy Giuliani, 
And thank you very much for listening in. 